Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. And good morning, everybody. Welcome, Morning Drive. Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, MileEyesports.com. You can reach us on our Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. In the meantime, Sasquatch and Wildcard Casinos always have great promotions, and this one is coming up fast. They're going to be giving away all kinds of things on March 17th, either a Honda Rebel motorcycle plus 11000 in cash, a Kawasaki side-by-side, or nearly $20,000 in cash. You get to choose unbelievable promotion get final entries every half hour from 10 a.m until midnight during their daily cash drawings where you can redeem players points check out their sports book great menu really loose slots sasquatch and wildcard family-owned casino that treats you like family so we talked about it briefly in yesterday's show you were going to the nuggets game as a fan and uh, i don't want your expert opinion <laughs> i want your casual observations of what you saw well i can't give you an expert opinion because it would mean that i'm an expert and i certainly right. don't claim to that's why uh, i said it that way fantastic seats second row 200 level that those are really good seats at about the 35 yard line so midway yeah, between free throw and the free throw line and mid court so that's about 150 bucks a ticket easily uh, fantastic seats good fantastic seats Tremendous company um, with my with my lovely wife and one of our best friends who uh, is a monstrous basketball fan. And we had the best time because Fred Van Vliet had a hellacious game. Yep. And we're big Fred Van Vliet fans from his days at Wichita State. Oh. Um, led a team to a Final Four, blah, 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 blah. Undrafted free agent. Now he's making about $18.5 million a year. It's a really good success story. He was fantastic, but the Nuggets won. Yep. So we all got, you know, what we wanted out of it. But here's my here's my one observation of the area in which we were sitting. <laughs> so it's a tight game the whole game. Yep. And the guys that are sitting off to our right and one behind us yep. are having a great time and they're not annoying in the least. They're they're just having a good time. Yep. But they got into it at one point. Their theme became Canadians go back to Canada. Oh. And they and and but really? but they but they weren't like rude about it. They just were kind of having fun at the Raptors' expense. And I was just Yeah, because a, so many of those players are Canadian. None of them are. That's but one. but the irony You know they're ripping Jamal Murray. Uh, well the well, you now you just stole my lead. Thanks. Oh, sorry. Uh, that's okay. I, I would expect it of you. But anyway. Wow. No, I know. Good morning. So anyway, so I so I'm about to turn around and say, you know, Jamal Murray, and then the one of the guys said, "Oh, wait a minute, not you, Jamal, not you." And, and so he started like he was yelling from the second level. No, we didn't mean it. We didn't really mean it, Jamal. And I was like, ah, just know your material. That's all. Just know your material. So anyway, that's my that's my takeaway. Other than. Nikola Jokic went 17, 13, and 9, I think, last night. He didn't stat pad for that extra assist? E, it was, I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> this was the most, I had to convince my wife, who, by the way, pays attention. Yep. She's a great sports fan, not big a good one. Fan. She's a big sports she fan. She is, yes, and she yep. knows what she's looking at, yep. especially basketball. Right. Especially basketball. And she asked me about Jokic. She said, well, God, he just didn't do much. And I said, 17, 13, and 9? No. 
I said, yeah. Yeah. I said, that's what he does. He's just very, there are nights when you notice only him. Then there are nights when you don't notice him at all. And then you look at the stat line and it's like 17, 13, and nine. He very quietly goes about his business. He is, he is just remarkable. MPJ was great last night. Jamal Murray was great last night. Michael Malone was great last night because he didn't load manage in a game that ended up being very competitive. Right. Good game. Anyway. Well, there you go. When you look at Nikola Jokic as a player, he doesn't pass the eye test. That's why you just, just don't notice right? what he does. You are right on target. He doesn't make the spectacular shot. He doesn't make the spectacular rebound. Every once in a while, he'll make a spectacular pass. But other than that, it's, you really don't notice him. No. Yep. It just quietly goes about his business and then packs the W at the end of the game. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lyons, and Estes Park. You and I talked about this on the show yesterday, and now here's some reporting from NBC Sports' Matthew Barry. The Broncos are quietly shopping Cortland Sutton, not actively pushing him, but definitely trying to see if there's a trade market for him, and if they get a decent offer, they'd probably consider moving him. So let's talk about Cortland Sutton on what another team would be getting. Hasn't looked the same since tearing his ACL. He's going to get paid over $18 million this season. I cannot imagine teams are, you know, cutting in line to get the opportunity to get Cortland Sutton. And if indeed the, let's just say for the sake of argument, Cortland Sutton um, didn't have an $18 million contract. He had a, I don't know, a contract this year that'll pay him $10 million. You'd still be fortunate to get a fourth-round pick, maybe a third, a third or fourth-round pick. But when you combine the fact that he hasn't looked the same, when you throw in there as part of that combination, he's getting paid $18 million this season. I think you're fortunate to get a fifth. Yeah. I mean, we may have, maybe overjudged, a we may have overjudged it yesterday, hoping they could get a fourth, but I agree. Um, I just I just don't know what the market would be for him at this particular point, um, especially when there is that seems to be the one position that is being refurbished nicely out of college football right now. Right. I mean, there's a there's just not a lack of receivers. Right. And pretty good size receivers. Right. Look, Cortland Sutton and and. This isn't a bash on Cortland Sutton. This is business. We're talking business right now. If you if you said to him, would you want a wide receiver, if you are a GM, that honestly hasn't looked the same, has had a difficult time getting separation since HCL surgery, and is over $18 million in cap on your ledger, are you dying to have this guy? No disrespect no. to you, Corlin, but let's just look at the numbers instead of looking at the person. Let's look at this objectively instead of subjectively, where everybody likes Corlin Sutton, good guy, good leader. Just look at the numbers, and the numbers don't add up in terms of catches, yards, touchdowns, salary. doesn't add up. No, it, it doesn't add up. I would be surprised if they could move him. Well, maybe, well, here, 
you move him for a six-round pick just because you want to get that salary off of your books. And that's what they might have to do. Now, uh, we've talked a lot about George Payton and the moves that he has made. His first draft was excellent. Uh, There was a ranking out of last year's draft. It was 27th. It's really kind of hard to argue being that low. Damari Mathis is probably the best guy out of that draft class. Then he hires Nathaniel Hackett. Gives Sutton a four-year, $61 million deal with $35 million guaranteed. Goes out and brings in Randy Gregory. We knew he had an injury history problem. We knew he had an off-the-field problem when it came to smoking dope. And he had a very difficult time staying on the field for a number of reasons. Fortunately for Randy Gregory, his problems last year were just injuries. Nathaniel Hackett is the number one blemish on George Payton's record. Can you make a case Cortland Sutton is number two? Yeah, I, I guess. When you put it when you put it that way, if you if you really have to line up and start thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. Um Hmm. I mean, he gave Sutton and Patrick deals basically within the same month. Yeah. Which and you had Jerry Judy on your roster. And and, and you had KJ Hamler on your roster. And wasn't the reaction then help me on this? Because I'm not good. Help me help, help you. you. <laughs> wasn't it? I don't think it was widely lauded. I don't think it was deep sixth. Right. I, I I kind of remember it was kind of a middle of the road reaction to the signing of those two guys at the same time. Cortland Sutton hasn't aged well. That deal hasn't aged well. We don't know about Tim Patrick. That that one may not age very well either, right? right? Mm-hmm. We still have work to do with Tim Patrick coming back. So, um, hmm. No, I would agree. It, if you really, it hasn't aged well, that's for sure, on Cortland Sutton. I, I think they should do whatever they can do to get him off the roster. I mean, right now, if you had to put it in order for me, it'd be Hackett, Wilson, probably Randy Gregory and then Sutton, but I can flip-flop Gregory and Sutton. Yeah, I, th- I think I'd probably... I, I'm still bullish. I know you are, too, on at him as a football player. Who, just, Gregory? Yeah, he's just got to play more than six games. That's the problem. Well, well yeah, but he, but he didn't. No, but he didn't. And You're when you look at right. him the year before, he didn't play a lot of games. And the year before, he didn't play a but lot I'm of games. But I'm more hopeful that they can get something out of Randy Gregory than they can out of Corbin Yeah, but Sutton. hope... <laughs> But hope isn't it's a strategy. Ne- oh, it's never a good plan, but it's all that it, but right now, if you're asking me to judge one over the other. When they signed Sutton, he was a year removed from his ACL. And the hope was two years out, he'd be better. Yeah. And whoa, now they have Russell Wilson. Whoa, what kind of numbers is he gonna put up? Maybe it would be the type of numbers when you look at Demarius Thomas with Tim Tebow and Demarius Thomas with Peyton Manning didn't work out that way. At least Cortland Sutton played. Right? Yes. Randy Gregory didn't. He played six games. That's it. Going into training camp, healthy. That's fantastic. But if if I had to rank them in order, you have Nathaniel Hackett, who was a bust. You have 
Russell Wilson, the worst season of his career by far. That's two. Cortland Sutton. Yeah, I understand he didn't have a great season, but at least he was on the field. Yeah, he was on the field. So he's four. You're the guy number three for me is the guy who played six games. That's not arguable. Do I'm only I'm only talking about this in a vacuum for one season, which was last season. It could change next year. Won't argue that. I'm saying right now, as we look at it, with the data that we currently have, Gregory's number three on the list, and Sun's probably number four. Okay. In the future, listen, they may keep Sutton, and he might catch 1,300 yards and passes, and Gregory might have 13 and a half sacks. I'm saying with what we know now, I'm not looking down the road. I'm saying what we know currently right now. And oh, by the way, if you believe that George Payton, or excuse me, Sean Payton, let me get my Paytons in order here. If you believe that George Payton would have hired Sean Payton, and you also believe that Sean Payton is absolutely the right guy for Russell Wilson, George Payton would not have hired Sean Payton. Greg Penner wanted Sean Payton. Sean Payton wants a lot of power. George doesn't want to willingly give that up. So who knows who would have been the hire if Joe Ellis was still here? It wouldn't have been Sean Payton, I can tell you that. Right? Probably not. So if Russell Wilson gets turned around, George doesn't get any credit for it. Because he didn't want Sean. Oh, no, no. This is all about Sean Payton vis-a-vis Russ now. Right. There is no, no one else is in the picture. Coming up after the break, well, now Sean and George, I don't want to say have a division, have a decision to make, but a guy they would like to bring back. Honestly, I'm sure this particular guy has gotten his change of address card from the post office and is doing some cleaning and has already called a moving truck. <laughs> That's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. She's a friend of mine. Take it easy. Oh, we're taking it easy. It's a <laughs> Tuesday. It's cold outside, but the weather's going to warm up. Have you seen the weather over the next seven days? Mm. Beautiful, 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 mm. beautiful. Possibly a little snow. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, it's, a, it's starting to spit a little bit here in the uh, tech center. Yeah. Just a little bit. There's but, a, And there's a lot of fog yeah. and stuff. So I was uh, I was reading a friend of mine, Chris Bianchi, who used to be mm-hmm. an intern here. Do you know okay. that? He was an intern on the show that I did with Les. I didn't know that. Yes. Right. And then he said, you know what? One day I, I think I might want to go to uh, school to become a meteorologist. And now he's doing great things at Nine News. Good. I'm now, now, when I say Nine News, it's probably like saying Voldemort to you. Whoops. No, not in the I slightest. I said it again. Voldemort. No, don't don't care. That That's great. I, I There is no uh, 
competition, rivalry kind of stuff. No. I just do my job. I don't think people in this town, at least in sports, generally speaking, look at Mm-mm. other sports guys as major competition. No. Everyone's kind of friendly. Although I will say, now that some newspaper writers have joined TV stations, Cliss at nine, uh, obviously our good friend Troy. Yep. I mean, Mike's a good friend too. Uh, Troy, he's a competitive guy. Sure. But generally speaking, TV guys in this market aren't necessarily competitive when it comes to breaking stories. When I was in Buffalo, New York, it was competitive. Yeah. Very, very competitive. Different day, different age. I I hear you. Um, In fact, this has been easily the most... um, I've never seen a group of people in sports get along the way that they do here in Denver. Yeah. And it's, and everybody still does their work. Everybody still does their own good work. They all do it in different ways with different approaches. But, um, let me ask you. Yeah. As a, as a TV guy now. Yes. And I'm a former TV guy. See, when I was on television, wherever I was at, I always wanted to break stories. Mm-hmm. To me, that is your badge of honor. Anybody can read off a teleprompter. Anybody can read a shot sheet that te- that is is coupled with highlights. Anybody can do that stuff. What separates you? Do you great? Do you do great commentaries? Do you break news? To me, those are the things that separate you from everybody else. I don't know why, in general, TV guys don't look at themselves as journalists trying to break stories why sports guys don't do that I, that that has baffled me well most breaking news now is done via social media okay but that has nothing to do with it you can still be a tv guy and still break news okay. via social media it's just not a priority so when i did television here I, that was important to me Josine anderson who i worked with um She was in our sports department. She wanted to break news. Vic Lombardi wanted to break news. He was the main guy at four. It was important to us. Uh I just don't know how important it is today. And I don't understand why. I don't think it drives people. That doesn't mean that people are lazy. It just means that they think differently. And and I'll leave it up to whomever to judge that. And that's fine. Um, But uh, depth of storytelling... um, Availability, being there, covering the covering the uh, covering the beat. I mean, I'm an old school guy. Then, then, then you're describing me as an old, and you're an no, old not school in, guy not, too. Not, not in the slightest. I, I, I think that there's always a time and a place for that. I do think it's, I think it's arrived at differently, and <clears throat> and and the news cycle doesn't wait for newscasts. The news cycle is immediate. Right. But that's what you have a Twitter feed for or whatever yeah. you want right. to, whatever social media you'd yes. like to be on. You're exactly Time right. now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Paramount Siding and Windows. Paramount Siding and Windows. It's quality in everything they do. Find them at ParamountSidingAndWindows.com. Longtime NFL reporter Albert Breer is reporting. Um, and not much of a surprise here. Okay. That... Um, the market for Draymond Jones is going to be in the 20 million plus Robust. category per year. Yep. He is considered to be the best defensive lineman on the market. And um, the franchise tag, you'd actually be getting a deal. 
<laughs> right. right? Because right. the franchise tag is like 19 million and change. Draymond as good as gone. Yes. There's no way they're going to try and compete with that. I mean, you can you can roll out a long-term deal, but why would he take it? At the, I mean, of course he would take it. If you give him 21 million a year, he's taking it. Well, yeah, but you're not going to do that. Well, that's my point. Yeah. You, you're not so, going to yeah. do it. You can if you choose to, yeah. but you're not going to. Yeah. They probably had him in the 17 yes. range. I would guess. I'm guessing. Yes. And he's thinking, I can get more. And, and good on him. And he's going to get it and, from somebody. And as he should. With that, the Chiefs are not going to franchise left tackle Orlando Brown. Mm. The Broncos, if they want him, will have to move around some pieces. Okay. Brown is considered arguably the best left tackle in the business, and he wants to be paid that way, and he will be paid that way. In order to make it happen, the Broncos would have to trade Bowles. Bowles doesn't want to be a right tackle. Uh, ironically, Brown used to be a right tackle, but you're mm-hmm. paying him like a left tackle. Glasgow is going to have to be cut. I That was going to happen anyway, isn't it? I think maybe I they mean, want to restructure him. I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. Who okay. knows? Restructure Darby. Okay. Trade Bowles, cut Glasgow, restructure Darby, or cut him? Is that something the Broncos should seriously consider? That's a great question because offensive line has been the bane of their existence for as long as I've been in Denver. Specifically right tackle. Oh, my God. I mean, everyone talks about quarterback, and you're right. I mean, you can look at the the, the litany of quarterbacks that have come through and tried to get this thing on track. But, man, you got to go one step further. The offensive line has been in shambles for all seven seasons that I've been here. Well, you could kill two birds with one stone if you go this route, and I think this is the most likely route for the Broncos if they don't get priced out. It would not surprise me if they go after right tackle Mike McGlinchey, who Mm -hmm. currently plays for the 49ers. He was a first-round pick, and they might very well go after uh, free agent center Ethan Posick, a guy who had a very, very good season last season with the Cleveland Browns. But here's some caution that NFL.com's Greg Rosenthal throws out there about McGlinchey. McGlinchey is a solid player, but the 49ers got the best years out of him. I'm a big believer that offensive linemen are worth paying for in free agency or obtaining via trade if they are big difference makers. Otherwise, drafting and coaching matters more when it comes to quality line play. A lot of the biggest mistakes in free agent history, and the Broncos certainly know a lot about that, have stemmed from teams overpaying for good but unspectacular offensive line starters whose capabilities don't translate to a new system. What do you make of that? Referring to McGlinchey, who is easily the best right tackle out there, and you can make a very strong case. He is the second best tackle on the market, only behind Brown. Give me an example over the last seven years that an offensive lineman has been brought in who has lived up to expectations, never mind exceeded them. You mean with the Broncos? With the Broncos. Right, but but I look at this from a 5,000-foot a view of all the teams. Okay. But generally speaking, I do believe this. If a guy is hitting free agency, there's something about him that the other team doesn't want. Sure. Unless, because there are exceptions, and Brown is an exception. Yes. He wants to be paid like the top left tackle in the league, 
Mahomes is taking up a huge portion of that salary cap. And no one would doubt that this guy is a great player. He's made the Pro Bowl four years, including last year. He's a terrific talent. Those are your exceptions. But generally speaking, I think when you are looking at unrestricted free agency, you tend to maybe 15% of the guys who are unrestricted free agents fall into the salary cap. This guy wants to be paid way too much category. 85%. There's a wart on this person. There's a reason why we don't want to keep him. Yeah. You talk about Brown and McClinchy. How much money would you tie up? For those two guys. Oh, God. I might, I might Blow go, a hole I, I mean, in your salary. You don't even want to know. You don't You don't even want to know. It sounds great. And yeah. Brown's going to cost you $22 million a season. Right. McGlinchey might cost you anywhere between 14 and 16 Yeah, we'll do the math. But <laughs> he will likely go higher because he's the second best on the market. He is a right tackle, though. He's not a left tackle where premium dollars go. Still, that's about thirty-eight million tied up in two positions. Yeah, but you're not bringing on the offense. But you're not bringing them both. You're guys. not. No, it's There's not going to happen. No, no. Not I mean, bit. if they can get a piece in free agency, a, a good piece in free agency, okay. But I tend to, I, I think that you're on target, and I on the whole, if they're available in free agency, it's a it's a it's a buyer beware kind of thing. There's a reason. There's a reason that a team is parting with them. Sometimes it can be just as simple as too expensive for our taste. We got to right. go a different direction. Um, do we feel good about about uh, development with with the Broncos over the last seven years? When Mike Munchak was there, I did. I felt pretty good about the way that collectively the offensive line was moving. Here's the thing, though, and I agree with you. We can talk about the last seven years. But this is a new coaching staff. You're ex- you're, and the baby you're should right. not be thrown out with the bathwater. Nope. Sean Payton should not be compared, nor his coaching staff, to Vance Joseph's coaching staff, to Fangio's Fair. coaching staff, and Nathaniel Hackett's coaching staff. I don't mean this to you directly, but I will say, if we're going to group all of them together, that's lazy analysis. Every coach is different. Every coaching staff is different. Well, continuity is a big thing for me. I've I've made that abundantly clear. There will be continuity with Sean Payton. He's you, not going anywhere for a while. Better hope so. Continuity is going to be key, and and maybe it doesn't. It can't. It can't manifest itself in the first year because you're establishing a baseline for that continuity. But processes will be in place that we'll be able to understand and appreciate. As we move forward, we have talked recently about realignment in college football. Last week, there was a report that there is a possibility the Pac-12 could merge eventually with the ACC. The Pac-12 is looking for a new television deal. The Pac-12 also uh, is not in big financial trouble. Don't know if you know the story about Comcast and the Pac-12. But it looks like the Pac-12 owes Comcast $50 million, and those schools are not making a lot of money compared to the Big Ten and the SEC. Whoops. All of this sets the table for the Colorado Board of Regents scheduling a special executive session board meeting at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning to discuss legal advice on a specific matter and an athletics update on the Pac-12. What is all of that about? That's next. Hey, 
Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. I think every teenage boy loved this song when it came out. They're like, yeah, this speaks to me. Why? Why? She was a fast machine. She kept her motor clean. I'm a, I'm a teenager and I'm filled with testosterone. Yeah. I don't yeah, think she it's was just a fast a teenager. Machine. That's just a dang good song. It's a very good song. I like ACDC, but I think this song resonated with teenage boys, my teenage years, when it came out, and so did Billy Squire. Because that was my generation. Oh, too. Billy Squire had a couple moments. He oh was, yeah. yeah, Billy Squire was solid. Who doesn't like the Stroke? Yeah, yeah. Stroke me, Stroke me, and and like it was like a guy's anthem as a teenager. We loved that. I think that was the only album he ever came out with. Uh, he actually had a couple. Yeah, he had a couple. As I was saying, that was a Boston guy. Yeah, it, they were a one-hit wonder. Not well, no. Yeah. Billy mm. Squire had a, more than that. No, nah, I think so. Okay, I think so. Billy I, Squire had a couple of years where couple of years where he was kind of relevant, kind of like that's a lot of people in music, though. Kind of like right, right. Kind of, kind of like a soft sell with Tainted Love. That was it. That's all you heard from them, and bang, it was over. Time now for what's trending. What's trending? Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda or find them at sthmazda.com. Well, the University of Colorado Board of Regents, and I still don't understand that, the University of Colorado, yet they call themselves CU, that baffles me. I've never understood that. No CU grad has ever been able to explain that to me. Their Board of Regents has scheduled a, quote, special executive session board meeting at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning to discuss, quote, legal advice on a specific matter and a, quote, athletics update on the Pac-12. Since neither of us have any journalistic integrity, let's speculate because this is Sports Talk Radio. The Pac-12 is in some, I'm not going to go dire straits. They may not be dire, but they're in some straits right now. I don't think any Pac-12 fan is dying to stream games no. this upcoming season or next season. Right. And and it is a, they are clearly in the most difficult position of the any power of the, of the remaining power three of the five, right? We understand the SEC and the Big Ten are on levels that are, no longer relatable to any of the rest of us, right? The the other three quote unquote power conferences that remain. The Big Twelve, I, people can say whatever they want about the Big Twelve, and that's fine. The Big Twelve has done a very good position, very good job positioning itself to move forward from the loss of Oklahoma and Texas. That is a gut punch. Period. That is hard to overcome, but you are bringing in. BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF. 
Is it a straight four for two trade? Probably not a great one. No. But you but you're doing the best that you can do with what you have left. And you're already ahead of the curve on right. your media deal. And it's a fairly good media deal for the scraps that are still out there for the ACC, which, by the way, is not in a very good media deal that lasts for a few more years. A few more years? How about 2036? Yeah, right. So we're. That's more than a few it, years. It's out there. Right. It's I don't, I don't know if there. I'll be alive by the time <laughs> well, I hope, that deal I, expires. I hope so. I hope we're all still around gumming this thing and, and figuring it out. But no, the Pac 12 is in a very precarious situation right now. I understand that I'm taking a shot at the Pac-12, but I don't mind doing it because the Pac-12 with Cal and Stanford and, you know, when they they still have USC and UCLA, Mm -hmm. great colleges. They're the smart conference. They're the academic conference. Yet when it comes to business, they can't figure it out. And Iowa State and Kansas Two not considered great academic institutions historically, they have beaten the Pac-12 to the punch. Well, they have better leadership. Yes, they do. Much better leadership. With that, right now, I cannot think of a time since going back to Bill McCartney days, or if you want to go back not as far, the Buffs are very good uh, under New Heisel. And there were times they were good under Gary Barnett, but that's over 20 years ago. Right. I can't remember the last time CU has had had this much leverage to determine where they want to go. Why in the world would the Big 12 not want a football team led by Deion Sanders? Why in the world would the Big 12, I understand that they have Kansas, right? Yep. But CU is about to get a kid who is considered to be a guy who might be the number two overall pick in the draft yeah. in 2025. Well, the Big 12 is, if if we're talking basketball to basketball, apples to apples, the Big 12 is the best conference in the country. No question. And it's, and it's not even debatable. But, they may have four of the top eight seeds in the NCAA tournament. But it doesn't, doesn't, basketball is doesn't a, fuel the engine. It Basket- doesn't fuel the engine. I Basketball is a revenue sport, but it's not even close to being the it, top revenue sport. It sure sport. isn't. But, I, I mean, I don't know how much, I mean, the leverage that Colorado has, I mean, if if we're going to rate leverage now compared to leverage in five years, probably they have more leverage now. They have a lot more leverage now. Yeah. They right now are one of the, if not the most talked about team in college Without question. Right and who knows how long Deion Sanders will stay here. One thing that I talked to somebody uh, with CU yesterday when it came to the legal advice on a specific matter, mm-hmm. we can speculate that legal advice would be, how do we get out of the Pac-12 con- I contract? Think, right. However, um, if you don't know this story, it wasn't highly publicized. Comcast overpaid the Pac-12 by over $50 million. Hmm. That dates back to 2016. Pac-12 executives initially thought Comcast was underpaying. Instead, there were independent auditors that were involved, determined Comcast was overpaying by about $5 million annually. After an independent investigation, Pac-12 auditors came to the same conclusion as the independent auditors, that there was a gross overpayment. The errors believed to be that Comcast paid the conference twice as much 
as they should have because of the small amount of subscribers that the Pac-12 network has. $50 million will have to be repaid with the Pac-12 discounting future payments from Comcast for the rest of the agreement until the $50 million is paid back in full. And in case you don't know the numbers, you have the SEC and the Big Ten running away with enormous numbers for each school. The Pac-12 is way down the list. Honestly, so is the ACC and the Big 12. But instead of collecting their small paychecks, now, like their wages being garnished, they're going to be taking home even less than they were already taking home. And compared to the SEC and the Big Ten, it wasn't a lot. I do get that uh, <clears throat> a little bit of a chuckle also. And by the way, real quick, I don't mean to cut you off, no, but right. that could be the legal advice yes. being talked about. Right. I do get a chuckle out of my Pac-12. And, and I, by the way, I'm a Pac-12 guy. I grew up in the Pac-8. I grew up in the Seattle area. Washington football was king of the king of the hill for free in that part of the country. Yeah. You know, Joe Steele, Sonny Six Killer. I mean, that whole. Don James. You know, Steve Entman. Don Steve, James. Steve Entman. Oh, my God. You went way back on yeah, that. He was a baller. Yeah, man. but it was a disappointment as a pro. But I don't think we're talking about him as an as an as a Colt. We're talking about him as a Washington Husky. Well, I am. He was the national. He was the defensive player of the year. And yeah. He was just an absolute. People. Anyway, I digress. But I get it. But I do get a chuckle out of my my and, and I even have brothers that are big about well Oklahoma and Texas leaving. I said, dude, USC and UCLA are leaving. Right now, it's not direct correlation. USC and UCLA takes the whole Los Angeles market out of the Pac-12. That's just, it's huge. Think about this for a second. For decades and decades and decades, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 were like two brothers. The Rose Bowl that tied them together. Academically tied them together. And the Pac-12 might fail when Cain kills Abel. Ah, well, I love the uh, biblical reference. Actually, it was a guess. I didn't know which way. I didn't know if Cain killed Abel or Abel killed Cain. It was a total guess. Did I get it in the right? I think you got I, it right. Being Jewish, I, I'm I'm an I'm a Old Testament guy. Is that an Old Testament thing? That would be Old Testament. Yes. As far as I know, it's Old yes. Testament. Yes. But, um, but it, I don't know what the big what the Pac-12 is hoping to do. You've got this thing with Comcast now that on top of everything in it, if Comcast was removed from it, they would still be in a very sticky wicket, really difficult position. Yeah, that to the equation. It's like, what are they going to do here? Why in the world wouldn't Colorado, Arizona, who I who I've heard is very keen on moving to the Big 12? Oh, yeah. Very keen. Right. Utah, which feels more like a Big 12 school than a Pac-12 school anyway, even though I know Utah kind of resists that. Right. And why wouldn't they want to go to something that they know is going to be stable for the next 10, 15 years? The bottom line for the Pac-12 is this. They have two potential breaks in the dam. It's either going to be Washington and Oregon. Mm Mm-hmm breaking the dam, or it will be Colorado, Utah, and the Arizona schools 
breaking the dam. Good what do we have coming up on Just In Case You Missed It? We'll chat more about the Nuggets' come-from-behind win over Toronto. And speaking of the Pacific Northwest, Geno Smith will be staying put there. Mm. That's all next on Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle on Mile High Sports. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. The one-hit wonder from Soft Cell. Not Billy Squire. No, he had a couple of good songs. Oh, thank you. Right, you, you were you were condemning him to a, one album, a, a land of soft one album. Cell. One album, he had one he had one really good album. Yes, there are lots of one. The eighties were the king of the one hit wonders. Hmm. Ninety nine Luft balloons. Remember that? Well, yeah, I remember yeah. that. But I mean, you know, that's, what else did they come up with? They came up with. 98 lift balloons. By I the mean, way, it's like, you know, like bottles of beer on the wall. Very underrated, great movie. If you love music that everyone should see, if you love great music, go see the movie. You know, it's not in the theaters. Obviously, you can Acquire get it. On it right. right. Um, that thing you do. Absolutely tremendous. Totally fun. Outstanding yeah, it is music. fun. It is, yeah, it is. It's cute. Tom Hanks it's wrote cute. it. Yeah. He was in it. It's cute. Oh, yeah, I love that movie. It's cute. I, I could watch it. To me, that's a guilty pleasure. I could because I love the music that much. Guilty pleasure is a great way to term it. I agree. Guilty pleasure, though, is code for I can't believe I'm watching this garbage, but I'm still watching but, it. But but there's always fun but guilty not, but pleasure not things garbage. that we watch. It's not garbage. Well, I mean, you know, it's 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 good. And there's a catchy little tune with it. So right. As we've talked about before, Bruce, you have a right to your opinion as long as you agree with mine. <laughs> Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two for one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, the Nuggets found a way to beat the Raptors last night, 118-113, to and earned their 30th home victory of the season. Uh, the Nuggets' last loss at home was on January 22nd. Uh, Denver held the Raptors to just two points over the last two minutes and 20 seconds of the fourth quarter. And also the Nuggets got a little assist from referee Scott Foster, who chucked Scotty Barnes out of the game with 28 seconds left in a one-point game at the time. Uh, Your reactions to the comeback win for the Nuggets? Well, they were behind in that game, I would guess, probably 75 to 80% of the time. But you know what? They hung around, and even without their best offensive showing and efforts, found a way to be in that game, and then they won it with defense late. A couple of uh, advantageous calls, but that was just a good, hard-working home win in the dog days, what are kind of dog days down the stretch of the NBA. Um, 
and, and good on them. I mean, what are they now? 30 and 4, 29 and 4, 30 and 4. 30 and 4. 30 and 4 at home. That's worth something. It is. And you know what? I'm looking at the Western Conference standings right now. Uh, Nuggets now have a seven-game lead over Memphis. And oh, by the way, do not be surprised if John Morant, this is one guy's opinion, mm-hmm. doesn't play for the rest of the season. Really? I think, he, I, okay. I think he's in big trouble. Yeah. I mean, this whole gun thing over, ironically, shotgun willies. Yeah. If he has a gun, how is he getting that gun back home on the team plane? Unless he rented one, which I don't think he did. So, obviously, that gun would go on the team plane. Looking at the standings right now, seven-game lead over Memphis, seven-and-a-half over Sacramento, ten over Phoenix Suns. This reminds me, generally speaking, year after year, of the Yankees' lead over the Red Sox in the American League East. What's your next thing you got? (laughs) (laughs) Boom. All right, uh, just in case you missed it, Seahawks and their Pro Bowl quarterback, Geno Smith, reached an agreement on a three-year, $105 million contract. That includes $52 million in the first year. So the two sides get the deal done before the franchise tag deadline today. And the comeback player of the year is coming back to Seattle. Uh, thoughts on the Seahawks paying Geno Smith $35 million AAV? Surprised, but they were kind of played into a corner. I guess. They still have, oh, they still have a fairly high draft pick, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. I would still use a draft pick. And I think it's that a they three-year will. deal. It's a three-year deal. deal. I think that they'll pick a quarterback. They should. And I think that they will. But you know something? Geno Smith, to me, was always a stiff. He was a stiff at West Virginia um, relative to his pro prospects. He proved to be a stiff in the NFL. But good on him for the way that he shone out last year. That That's a great win, and it's a great story. I'm glad he's getting paid. And the Seahawks really had to do it, I think. I mean, I don't think that they were ready to, you know, break the bank on a rookie quarterback coming in. Seattle is still in kind of a winning, in a, in a winning place right now. So why not? Looking at Geno Smith's career, the contract he signed yesterday is the equivalent. I'm not saying it worked for it. I'm not saying it deserve it. Is the equivalent of winning the lottery. Yes. He got a lottery ticket. And won over a hundred million in a million years, he would never even come close to making that if he was a quarterback in the league for the next fifty years. And based on how his career had gone, for him to even think, yeah, betting on himself, yeah, he, a year ago at this time, there is no right. flipping way right. he could Good have imagined him. that. Great for him. That was Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, you can walk in any store, try out the appliances before you buy them. Yeah. Go into a big box store. Hey, can I uh, try out this Viking range? Huh? What the hell are you talking about? Get the hell out of here. You could do that at Mountain High Appliance. Try before you buy. You can find Mountain High Appliance in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, Cortland Sutton. Count a lot against the salary cap. Wasn't getting a lot of separation last year. The Broncos have four options with this guy. Two will never, ever, ever happen. Two, they would like to happen. What are those options? That's next. Fire, fire. I just want to be 